If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. I want to start this week's episode by saying thank you for making my podcast part of your routine. There are thousands of podcasts out there that you could listen to. So the fact that you choose one that has me as your coach and mentor is an honor for me. So as an invitation today, I wanted to uh, extend the possibility for you to jump on a call with somebody on my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. Because if you like my philosophies and you're ready to join a group of people who are growing and taking action toward financial freedom and fulfillment, then it means that you don't have to do it alone. And it's such a drag doing it alone. It's so much harder doing it alone. It's like swimming upstream. So will you take the next step? Can I entice you to say yes and figure it out later by jumping on a call and finding out what's missing and what is a better strategy and tactic? So go ahead rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and let's help you fast track towards success. Sean, welcome to a session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast, and I think you have definitely rocked your life. We'll find out if you've rocked your money also, but I think you've rocked your life pretty big, big time. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. So, you know, a lot of people um, have this dream of or fantasy, we'll call it, of climbing Mount Everest. And yet, there's not um, a big percentage of the population that has done it. And even less percentage of population that have done it not fully equipped with all moving and normally functioning parts of their body. Why don't you tell us and walk us through a little bit about, you know, well, first bring us back, um, you know, how you grew up and, and that kind of your life and then how all of this came about. Absolutely. I'm assuming you don't want to go way back to when, uh, you know, my mom and dad got together and then nine months later I came out. Um, <laughs> well, some, some of the exciting parts, that's, that's exciting. Part <laughs> no, I mean, my, my life, I mean, I born and raised in Ohio. I was, I was a normal Midwest guy um, until I was doing a layup in basketball. And that's when my life changed forever. Cause I came down and, and my knee snapped, the knees, knee injury stuck me in the hospital. They initially thought I had pneumonia, wasn't being cured. They stuck me to a di- they stuck me in a different hospital. And as a 13 year old, that's when they told my parents, hey, your firstborn son has fourth stage Hodgkin's lymphoma and he only has three months to live. You know, that's, that's when my life really took a, a detour. How old were you when that happened? 13, so I was in the eighth grade. And if, if you can imagine being in the eighth grade, you know, uh, I'm guessing uh, maybe 20 years ago. Um, and I, it, it's a popularity contest, and, and I yeah. was I was bald from head to toe. I was 60 pounds overweight, 13 years old, and I was fighting for my life. So I wasn't very popular at all. But I, I developed a completely different perspective than most of my friends. So one of the things I teach is that a person with one perspective is less powerful than a person with many perspectives. So what perspective did you adopt? I think I adopted the perspective of not being caught up in the materialistic stuff that everyone else was going after. I wanted to go after what I wanted to go after. And I also remember 
Um, and there, there was a moment when I was three months into the treatment, the first cancer, I'm sure we'll get to the second one in a little bit, but three months into the treatment for the first cancer, like I said, I was just, I was a mess. In my eyes, I looked into the mirror and I saw this, this hideous troll that, I, there, there was no recollection of if anything that I was in the past. And I was on my hands and knees, literally sobbing while I was pulling chunks of hair out of the drain, crying my eyes out. You know, I was pulling chunks of hair out of the drain so the water could go down. But I also developed the perspective of focusing on what I wanted, not the avoidance of what I didn't want. Meaning, I can only imagine how it would have turned out, how my life would have turned out if I focused on not dying as opposed to living. Okay, unpack that for me because there's definitely <laughs> something there. So I'm partially trained by Tony Robbins, moving away from pain and moving toward pleasure. So explain that to me again. I want to get it. So I think it, it comes from the idea of going toward what you want, not the avoidance of what you don't. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for example, if, if you're walking down the street and you're telling yourself, don't trip, don't trip, you're going to fall on your face. You know, right. your mind doesn't hear that. Don't. It's just it's just focused on whatever whatever you're you're, you're telling it right. about yourself, right. as opposed to turning around from a different perspective. Stand tall, walk strong. Mm. This the same concept, different perspective. I mean, how many times throughout the day do you think people tell themselves to not do something? Or a another example: you leave in the house. Don't forget to turn off the stove. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget your keys. Don't. What do you do? You forget them. As opposed so to you, you to remember those things. So what did you create as a focus for yourself, as a thing you wanted to create an experience? I think my, that's a great question. My experience and my focus was on life, was on, for, my, for me, my personal core values. And one of them was the fact that I was 13 years old, I was battling for my life, and I didn't want it to end. I wanted to live. I wanted to focus on surviving the cancer, not battling the cancer, not, not uh, trying to uh, not die. I wanted to focus on living and I wanted to focus on grabbing life by the horns and holding on for as long as I possibly could. Yeah, awesome. So <clears throat> you went on to um, you know, physically take on challenges that most people that you know weren't going through what you're going through would have struggled with was this part of proving to the world that you could live fully i, I think in essence yes but real quick after that first cancer i was diagnosed with another cancer and they were and i was only given 14 days to live that second time so what i, I went i went through was that? what kind that was, was it was Askin sarcoma, which is a very rare cancer that affects three out of a million people with a prognosis of roughly 6%. Jesus. Yeah, so I, I actually did the number crunching and, and the chances of me surviving both of those cancers is roughly equivalent to winning the lottery four times in a row with the same numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you are one in a billion. One, one, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm completely blessed, that's for sure, but I, I Oh, and I also have, I only have one functioning lung because the radiation right. destroyed my right lung so much. So how did you overcome the second cancer? I think the same way I overcome, overcame the first one. And it was with the right perspective. It was, um, first it was believing it was possible. You know, that was the number one thing. And, and, and even if you go and look at how people are, are, 
told that they have a diagnosis now. You go and sit down in the doctor's office, doctor looks at you and says, you know, Rock, you, you have cancer. Um, this is what we're gonna do. This is the type, this is the stage. And, and, and it, oh, by the way, it's treatable. You know, as soon as you hear that C word, you've checked out. But if yeah. you just turn it around, imagine if the doctor sat down and said, hey, listen, you have a condition, you have this, 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 we're gonna do everything we can to take care of it. It's treatable and oh, by the way, it's cancer. Yeah. You have a completely different mindset. So that's, yeah. that's, that's what I developed going through my life. I, I wasn't focused on all the stuff that I, I didn't have. I wasn't focused on all the stuff that I couldn't do. I was focused on everything I could do, everything that I was grateful for. So it's very, um, it's very instrumental in saying that when we're clear on what we want and we move toward what we want and we're passionate about what we want, then our energy goes there and we become a creator versus a victim, yes? Ab absolutely, yeah. But it's, but it's not just sitting there, like uh, sitting in the corner wishing things will come true. It's not, it's not gonna poof, magically happen. You have to put in the massive effort to make it happen, but you have to believe it's possible, see it's possible, have an emotional attachment to that possibility, and then do something about it. So where did you get those three elements? Because it's we live in a society that is a victim society, and I wanna just define that. It's not that, oh, you know, I'm a victim. To me, a victim is where you say, the circumstances I'm in are stronger than me, and I don't know how to deal with it, right? And so you had these circumstances and you said, I'm going to defy them and I'm going to overcome them. Where did that come from? You know, I, I honestly, I think it came from my parents. I think it came from my upbringing because I, I was an athlete for my whole life, even before I got cancer, even after the cancers. And swimming was my forte. You know, I was one of the, I was one of the best swimmers. I went to nationals. I went to um, YMCA nationals. Have records that are still still there for the summer swim league, which is fantastic, right? So, one of the things that they instilled in me when I was swimming was every time I got in the water, my goal wasn't to beat the person next to me. My goal was to beat my time from the last time I entered the water. Nice. So they taught me I, I never had to be the best. I had to be my best, mm. and I think that stuck with me more than anything. That's beautiful. I love that. If you're listening to this, man, this is we're dropping some gems here. You don't have to be the best. I have to be my best. I love that. That's beautiful. So so you went on to, you know, traverse almost every single big mountain on the planet um, and to, you know, be highly unusual. What, tell us a little bit about that journey and what it meant to you and what it was like. Well, kind of leading up to it, I. Uh... Well, we won't even we won't even color, cover my college years because I was reliving my high school years in college, and I turned it into Belushi from Animal House. So we'll, we'll skip over that. <laughs> that great time in college. Um, went to grad school, decided I, I couldn't do that, but I kept thinking bigger and bigger and bigger because for the longest time I just ignored the whole cancer aspect. And anyone who goes through anything traumatic, it changes you, but you have a choice in how you want to see how it changes you. And I wanted to use it as something good. I wanted to literally go from tra tragedy to triumph. And I kept thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wanted to, and, and eventually I came up with the largest platform on earth. And I wanted to use that as a platform to scream hope. You know, because the human body can live for roughly 30 days without food. The human condition can sustain itself for about three days without water. But no human alive can live for more than 30 seconds without hope. 
because without hope, we have nothing left. And I wanted to use that to use that as a platform to give other people touched by cancer some hope. That was the initial concept and the, and the initial idea. So when I actually summited Everest and became the first cancer survivor to do so, I had a flag that was about this big that had names of people touched by cancer. And it was on a silk flag, so it was, it was light and weight, so I could actually carry it up there. But it was in my, in my chest pocket close to my heart as a constant reminder of my goals and my inspiration and my hope. And I did that to, like I said, literally reach around the world and inspire other people. After Everest, I climbed the highest mountain on every continent and did the same thing with, with each one of those mountains. I took a flag up there and dedicated, to, dedicated it to people touched by cancer with names and everything. Then the South Pole, then the North Pole. And when I got to the North Pole, there's a film on Amazon called True North. You'll see there's thousands of people on this flag. So I've, I've learned to tap into my personal core values of giving back and helping others, because I think I'm, I'm at a, I don't want to say an age, but you get to a point in your life where it's kind of, it's kind of like Christmas. You know, you get to a point where even if you don't celebrate it, you'll understand this analogy. You get to a point where you, you get more out of giving a gift to someone than you do receiving it. So that's what I get more out of. And I've, I've taken a group up Kilimanjaro for, I've been up there 20 times, which is the highest mountain on, on, in Africa. And I, I, I love, this is going to sound, sound really bad, I love seeing them cry up there. You know, and it's, and it's not tears of sadness, it's tears of happiness. And that's what, I, that's what really motivates me to, to reach around the world and to continue inspiring and empowering others to go after their own dreams. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, what's it like with one, one lung doing that type of thing? Because I I'm, I'm imagine difficult with two lungs, but how do you get around that? <laughs> I, I think un subconsciously or unconsciously, I have utilized mindfulness and the compound effect for years. And it started with the, with, with the time when I was 16, I actually had a thoracotomy where they went and they cracked open my ribs to remove the tumor. The tumor was about the size of a golf ball between my ribs and my, my lung. And ever since then, I was always very mindful of how I was breathing. You know, and it wasn't just, it was right. utilizing my diaphragm. And over time, in, be, in being an athlete, in, in training my one lung to compensate for the fact that I, I lost the function of my right one, I had to be mindful of that. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, year after year after year of practicing this, it's just become a habit, I think. So when I'm climbing these mountains, I'm not breathing, like I'm not taking shallow breaths. I'm taking very deep breaths and I'm getting more utilization out of my one lung than probably most people are utilizing their two lungs. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you ever run into Wim Hof climbing uh, Kilimanjaro? No, I didn't. I, uh, I, I think I would have seen a guy up there in bare feet, but <laughs> that, would have, that would have been fantastic. But uh, another thing too, bringing him into the equation, the, a lot of people don't understand this. You know, the mind breaks before the body does. And people need to understand that they are capable of so much more if they just push themselves past that breaking point, past, past what they think is their breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. The body is, is giving them signals and they're listening to them versus overriding them, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally true. So... 
for people that um, that don't have a vehicle of contributing to people outside themselves, like you've chosen to climb these mountains with people's names on the flag, you've used that as an incentive for yourself. Because when we contribute outside of ourselves, we have we become superhuman. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. You give you bring in a, a higher purpose to what you're doing. Right. So. How do people that are struggling, they're disappointed, they're frustrated with their life, what would you recommend for them to tap into something like that so that they can access dormant resources within themselves? You know, at, almost at the expense of, of promoting what I'm doing, send me an email. I, I put together a core values assessment. You can pick out your personal core values, rate them, and then find out exactly where you want to start putting more focus and energy. Because if those things mean the most to you, give them the more, most of your attention. Yeah. So what email do they send it to? That's easy. Sean, just like Sean Connery, you know, unfortunately he passed away, but Sean at cancerclimber.org. Okay. All right. We'll put those in the show notes so everybody will have them. So that'll be great. What are your core values, by the way? <laughs> not funny. I actually, uh, I have my journal here and I, I, I do it every morning. I, I bookend my day. I, I wake up in the morning. I write down uh, what my value affirmation is and then three things I'll try to do and three things I'll learn to do. But my, my core values are family, fun, happiness, health, personal growth, success, wealth, optimism, meaningful work, and compassion. And they can change. You know, it depends because like. Go, going back to like say looking at your life 20 years ago you don't have the same values as you do now no when people when people get married they have different values when people have kids th those kids become a number one value right you know it, it changes throughout your life so in, in my journal actually every three weeks I, I retake my my core values assessment so they can change depending on what i'm focused on and what's going on in my life at the time cool what it, give us a bit of an idea of your daily routine these days well, right now I'm in Puerto Rico, so I wake up and I either go paddleboarding or I go for a run. Uh, we're, we're turning my wife's home into a, an Airbnb down here. Uh, she was born and raised here. We actually, we got married two years ago, so I should uh, probably do something about that soon. Um, <laughs> funny story, after one of my presentations, um, somebody out there said, well, what's up? You know, what's what's next? I said, well, I just got married and somebody else chimed in and said, that's, that's more difficult than climbing Everest. So I'll, I'll move to now. Well, usually, probably somebody that didn't climb, climb Everest. But right. <laughs> I, I, get the, uh, I get the analogy. Right. So as you have gone through the last, uh, let's say, year, good year or so with COVID and everything, um, being the master at, you know, finding the best in, in all situations, there's a lot of people are having a tough time finding good, empowering meanings in what we're going through. Um, what are your thoughts around that? I think it, it it goes back to one of the first questions you and I have talked about, perspective. If, yeah. if, if you want to see it as one of the worst moments in history, it's going to be one of the most wor worst moments in history. If you want to see it as, as an opportunity, it's an opportunity. If you want to see it as an obstacle, it's an obstacle. I mean, just think if, if, if you could go back in time to right now, 2020, and you signed up for, say, Rosetta Stone, you could be speaking Russian by now. Yeah, it's true. So it, it's an opportunity. In, in every difficulty, there's always opportunity. And there are always uh, 
it, it's always our choice to find that opportunity or not. So as people change your perspective or go through this, if they wanted to um, follow you, get in touch with you, learn more from you, what's the best way for them to do that? JohnSwarner.com or they could go to TheSummitChallenge.com. Okay. And what are they going to find there? Well, they're going to find the Summit Challenge, which is uh, what, I, what I put together because the initial concept and idea was put together because every time I gave a presentation, I would have a long queue of people and they would always come up to me and say, oh, that's a fantastic story, you know, fantastic story. But it would be about five to 10 percent who would come up and say the same thing, but they would follow it up with a question. They would ask me, but how did you do it? So I started thinking about that. And then going back to the Kilimanjaro trip I mentioned, I've, I've been up there 20 times now, the average success rate on Kilimanjaro is 48%, meaning 52% of the people, of all the people in the mountain don't make it. My groups 20 times up there were 98%, double the average. So I, I started thinking, okay, well, what's, what's different? And I realized that I was imparting not necessarily my core values, but everything that I've learned from overcoming two cancers, climbing these, these unrealistic mountains with one lung, and I've been imparting that into the people on my groups. And then I figured, well, you know what? I need to get this out to more people to help, to help them understand more about self-actualization. So that's exactly what they'll find on the summitchallenge.com. It's a series of seven personal challenges where they utilize their personal core values to build themselves stronger or find what they're missing or reach their goals, whatever it might be. With a 99, basically a 99% success rate. Exactly. Versus the field is 48%. That's massive. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, and it's because I'm, I'm not up there with the program or the mountain or anything. I'm not up there saying, this is what you need to do. Right. I'm the guide saying, hey, if you do what means most to you, this is this will be your result. This is what I did. It worked for me because of my personal core values. Yes. I follow those. And if you follow yours and follow the guidelines, then you'll get what you want. Yeah, I love this because you're building it from the inside. You're accessing the things that really give meaning to the individual, which is different for all of us versus strategically saying, well, take the next step, break after an hour, drink some water, sleep over here. All of that will happen organically when the inner commitment and focus is there. Is that's what I hear you saying? Absolutely. I mean, we, we know where the camps are. We know how much people are gonna, how much they're gonna drink. Yeah. You know, we know where they're gonna go to the bathroom, but they, they feel like, and, and they do, they, they, have an, they have a say on the mountain. They have a say in their lives. They have a say in everything. Every, it's, it's their choice. Right. So you choose what's best for you. It's kind of like the old adage of, um, you, know, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach him a fish, feed him for a lifetime. That's what this is. It's, it's not a, hey, I want to lose 15 pounds for a wedding next month type of program. It's, I want to change my diet and my lifestyle for the rest of my life type of program. So would you have people that, that they value achievement and challenge and stuff that would more attack the hill. And then somebody else who values happiness and centeredness, that would be a little bit more easygoing. Absolutely. The, the group dynamics are phenomenal. But what happens is everyone becomes tremendous friends because it's an immersive experience. And they respect each other. They're not making them wrong going or competing with somebody else because how do you compete with somebody else's values? That doesn't even make sense. 
Absolutely. And, and the biggest thing I think people come away from is it never fails. People always say, oh, I'm going to conquer the mountain. But I, I, I guarantee you, if it's you versus Mother Nature, she's going to kick your ass every single time. Yeah. So you never conquer the mountain. You learn to conquer yourself. Yeah. And that's the insight people get. Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. And I think it's the adage of the warrior, right? The warrior does not conquer somebody else. He conquers the fear within himself to be able to take the action that allows him to conquer the things in his life. So I love that. Well, I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up, Sean. Jeez, what a beautiful um, frame. I love that so much of building the values on the inside so you can go and attack your life based on what's important to you and not you know, beat the field, but be the best version of yourself. So thank you so much for joining us on a session of Rock Your Money so you can rock your life with Sean. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And so as you were listening to this, if you like this, make sure you subscribe and send us, uh, um, you know, a review. And uh, at the same time, you know what, if you got to choose your mountain, what's going to be your mountain that you're going to ascend and check out Sean's. We'll have all the notes in um, in in, in uh, the documents that you can follow along with. And Sean, again, thank you so much for being a part of uh, our podcast. Thank you, man. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.